This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 106th edition of Sports Untold podcast, also on Rainier Avenue Radio. My special guest today again for the second time is the Seattle Mariners television play-by-play commentator Dave Sims. Dave uh, last had you as a guest back in October 2019 when my show was then Sports and Stuff. It's now Sports Untold. And the world has changed a bit the last uh, two years, to say the least, Mr. Sims. But uh, great to have you back. Dave is a very popular <clears throat> broadcaster in the Pacific Northwest around the country. Uh, Dave is also the co-host with Coach Mike Kraseski, the famous basketball coach of uh, the show Basketball and Beyond with Coach K. Uh, my Sports Untold podcast is now on Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and other outlets. Dave, really appreciate you coming back again on Sports Untold. Thanks for the visit, Paul. Good to see you. How's everything? Hanging in there. I want to. I want to know what you're up to, and uh, it's great to have you back. So, Dave, I got a quick story. I mentioned this to you right before we started, and I'm going to give you more details in the story. So, um, I turned 50 last year. I will. I will reveal my age. And my assistant Lucius Tenebris, who's here, wanted to give me a, a, a birthday gift that reflected something with my show. And I want to show you the wood print that he put together. It's Sports and Stuff 60 with Dave Sims. Look at this wood print he gave me for my 50th birthday uh, last year. So I thought thought you'd get a kick out of that. He picked a show and thought that'd be a fun one for uh, for a birthday gift. So I have this wood print. uh, I thought you'd get a kick out of it. Send me a picture of it. I will. I will for sure. I thought thought you'd enjoy that. I thought you'd enjoy that. Um, well, great, Dave, great to have you back. And I'm going to get into some stuff, you know, just sports in general. And of course the mirrors and baseball, and, uh, we'll have a lot of fun. Dave, I asked your, your colleague, Shannon Dreher, a similar question the other day. And I don't think I asked you this last time you were on. Can you tell us about the first ever interview you did in the first play by play game that you covered? Can you mention your, your first time you did either of those? Um, uh, first play-by-play I did in college at Little Bethany College in West Virginia, probably football season 1974. First one I remember getting paid for, I did a fill-in. I did a Princeton game. A friend of mine, Howard David, uh, was the voice of Princeton football. I think he was doing some pro stuff. He couldn't make it that day. And uh, I remember doing that, doing a game down at Princeton. That was a lot of fun. Uh, first interview... I think I remember interviewing, uh, let's see, I guess 1973. I was an intern at the Philadelphia Inquirer. And, uh, oh, goodness, I can't remember the guy I was partnered with from University of Arkansas, John something. He became a big editor down in Texas. And Tim Kelly, the the sports director, asked us to do a piece, you know, the two new interns in, in sports, to do a piece on summer basketball camps. And I remember interviewing Jim, uh, the now late Jim Valvano when he was at Bucknell. That's one of the first interviews I remember. And I also remember, I think the first time I, first time I was uh, to do the Phillies game lead story in 1974. And I went with Bruce Kaiden, uh, who was a great baseball writer in Philly. And the, the night before, and he wanted me to you know, just get the lay of the land. Here's where you go. And I remember, uh, so he turned me loose and I went and started uh, introducing myself to Steve Carlton, a Hall of Fame pitcher. And he looked at me like I had four heads. <laughs> Nobody had told me that you don't talk to the, to the starting pitcher the day he's pitching. I didn't know that. I was scared to death and I sort of slinked away. Uh, I, got, I got a look that was just unbelievable to this day. I, was, I think the last time I saw him was about 20 years ago. I gave him grief about that. 
but uh, that, that's one of the first interviews. So those are a couple of early things I do remember. Boy, those are big names, Dave. You interacted interact with early in your earlier career, Jimmy Valvano and Steve Carlton. I've been very lucky. Uh, you know, I'm a 995 guy, born and raised in Philly, lived in New York most of my life. Um, Philly's, uh, you know, arguably the best sports town in the country. And, you know, when you intern in the, in the Philadelphia Inquirer Sports Department for uh, two seasons, they throw you in the deep end. And uh, as, as a director friend of mine uh, said, hey, deep end, you know, flood it and swim out. <laughs> and that's that's uh, that's been my career. A lot of it, you know, just thrown in and, hey, let me see what you can do. Hey, I got thrown into some courtrooms as a, as a young attorney. I, I sure I got my rear end kicked a couple of times, but I got the experience. Absolutely. I got the experience. Absolutely. Uh, Dave, you learn. Are you in New York now, mostly off season New York City? Is that generally? Absolutely. Okay. okay. Absolutely. That's why I have uh, I just came back from uh, a couple errands and uh, I always love walking through if I have any excuse to walk back through uh, uh, Grand Central is one of my favorite buildings. I love the backdrop. I love the Jackie Forty Two hat. So I, I kidded you earlier. You got, you got a New York uh, New York theme going right now. But but you definitely feel like a great tie to Seattle. You've been broadcaster many years, and you have a tie to Philadelphia. You're you're kind of a national guy, aren't you, Dave? Well, yeah. Um, you know, just finished my fifteenth year with the Mariners. I did. Uh, you know, I was with ESPN and Westwood One. You know, ESPN doing national games for a lot of years and you know, East coast regional games and then Westwood one uh, national games, national radio for NFL, college football, college basketball, NCAA tournament. So, yeah, I mean, a uh, red blooded American. What can I tell you? Oh, you definitely had a lot of experience with uh, different cities and in, in the sports world. So I want to, I, I didn't ask you this last time. It's, it, you know, I got it. That's one thing about, about having a fun guy like you back and getting to some questions. I have a chance to ask last time you were on. So I, I, I want to learn more about your show with coach K your radio show you've had for many years. And is Coach K the 21st century college basketball version of John Wooden? Uh, yeah, you could say that for sure. And, and you know, we've had a, a great relationship. We're in our 17th year basketball and beyond. And, you know, we talk about his team. We talk about, you know, the scope of college basketball. We we have, and the thing that's that's great, not only do we, you know, we talk basketball about Duke, the ACC, the NCAA tournament. Uh, when that time comes around, but in the beyond segment, we get people from all different walks of life. I mean, we've had, uh, Martin Dempsey, the, who was the former, uh, uh, chairman of the joint chiefs of staff. He's been on a couple of times. Uh, we've had, uh, David Rubenstein, the, uh, the big fine, you know, the big uh, philanthropic, uh, wall street guy. We've had the GM, uh, uh the CEO of GM and, and, and I think Ford, We've had uh, Mrs. Barbara Bush a long time, uh, way back, first, second year. Wow. Um, and we've had everybody in baseball. You know, we usually get all the World Series managers. We got Brian Snicker like a few days right after after they won it. We've had every pretty much everybody in baseball. Uh, we, we've met a lot of the young stars in baseball who grew up Duke fans, like Bryce Harper. He's been on a couple of times. Uh, uh, Dansby Swanson from Atlanta, of course, everybody in basketball, LeBron, the Chuckster, um, oh God, Jay Wright. We uh, just a pantheon of basketball guys. And we, uh, Mike and I met back in 1976, seven, I was at daily New York daily news. And eventually it was, uh, became president of the Metro basketball association. And we used to have, uh, during basketball season, we'd have these great luncheons at the, the late and lamented mama Leone's eighth Avenue off of 
49th or 50th, 48th Street, I think it was. And we would get together with the local basketball writers and if anybody national was in town, and the writers would get a chance to, you know, hobnob with with the uh, with the coaches, and they could, you know, you know, notes, quotes, anecdotes, and they, you know, tell stories about about their ball club, and you know, we get advanced stories if you had a game later on that week. And uh, back in those days, and, and and in those days, we had Bill Raftery, P.J. Carlissimo, Shevsky, Todd Penders, Luke Conseca. I mean, we had great coaches here in the New York Metropolitan area. Mike was a shy and retiring type, and now he's the top of the, has been at the top of the mountain for a long time. Uh, and and he's, he's a funny guy. He's a big sports fan, big Chicago guy. We've had a lot of Chicago personalities on. We haven't had uh, Michael Jordan, but we've had pretty much everybody else. We've had both. I think we've had all the commissioners on. Uh, it, it's been great. His, his um, the cachet he brings to the table as you know one of the foremost coaches in the history of the country. Yeah, generally, you know, we get NASCAR guys, we get Saban, we've had Belichick. We've heard Belichick. Belichick's been a riot. He's been fun with us. And, you know, peer to peer, it's been great. So I, I sort of like, I set it up, tee it up, try to, you know, I, I jump in occasionally. Uh, but it's a, you know, I sort of, this is sort of George Fenneman for your old, old timers or, or Ed McMahon. It's the second banana. It works out pretty well. You know, Dave, this is so much fun because I, People in Northwest are so aware of you as a Mariners Mariners TV guy. I don't think a lot of people are aware of this great show you co-host with Mike Krasewski, Coach K. And it's neat these guests are having. You had a former first lady on. I mean, my gosh, it's just it's it's a it's a heck of a heck of a roster of guests you guys are getting. So uh, yeah, we've had you know we've had all the NASCAR winners I think every year for that for years. You had Jimmy Johnson. uh, I mean, you name them. uh, What's his name? Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, the current winner. I mean, it, it, we've had them all, so it, it's it's been it's been terrific. Are you a NASCAR fan at all, Dave? Not really, but I appreciate the heck out of what those guys do. I mean, you know, the endurance it takes, you know, to go 500 miles. You know, you, you're cooped up in small, you know, in a small, a super confined space. It's a talent. It, it takes nerve. It takes guts. It takes skill. Uh, a lot of respect for those guys. No doubt about it. Paul Schneiderman hosts the 106th edition of Sports Untold, also on Rainier Avenue Radio, with the Mariners TV man, Dave Sims. Uh, Dave, you had a big call. I think it was October 2nd of this year. The Mariners won. You called Hanniger's big hit. It got a lot of national publicity. It was just great. Dave yelled, hey now, hey now, three times. And I, I'd play it if we had more time. But it was just a heck of a, heck of a, uh, a broadcast moment. Uh, would you say that's your personal favorite of all the calls you've done describing plays as a broadcaster? Um, certainly, uh, uh, baseball wise, it's probably as you know, these are to use horse racing parlance, it's an entry with uh, Felix calling the uh, uh, Felix pitching the perfect game back in 2012. But this was so big, I mean, to get this close to the playoffs, and uh, and and that was such an incredibly meaningful hit clutched up just fabulous it was uh perfect it was right guy right spot big moment and uh, i was glad to you know to, to document it broadcasting wise it was great a lot of fun and the thing that was really cool about it about it was a lot of things cool about it but um i got home uh, that night as i was driving home and, and you know my phone is just you know beeping like crazy and, you know i talked to some some people when i got home and then the, the next morning uh, you know, I talked to one of my sons and, and he said, you know, you've got close to, and I think it went over, went beyond 2 million views. 
Well, when I heard it, I'm like, I, I got to give Dave a high five. You know, I, I I couldn't do it in person, but it was just it was a great call. Uh, Dave, we're going to get we're going to get back to baseball, of course. But I, I want to ask you about some local happenings in Seattle. And I and I think it'll be fun to hear your perspective on uh, some other Seattle sports uh, things going on. Uh, Dave, you've covered football. You played football. You know the sport well. Uh, any just thoughts on the Jimmy Lake firing at UW and what you think UW should do as a coach? I just kind of wanted to pick your brain on the UW football I, situation. I, you know, I, I like I said, I'm back on the East Coast. I haven't really been following it that closely. I feel badly for Jimmy. Never got a chance to meet him. Um, the little bit I did see of him on TV, I thought he presented really well. Um, you know, a lot of unfortunate things happen there. I mean, I, I, I'm way too distant to even begin to try to comment on something like that. Uh, uh, I'm sorry to that he lost his job and hope he, you know, I hope he gets another, another strong chapter uh, somewhere else as a head coach. It'd be great. Yeah. I just wanted to hear your point on that. Any, any thoughts on this whole Seattle cracking craze going on in Seattle? Well, hockey is a great sport. I, I covered uh, when I was doing sports talk radio here in New York um, at WNBC and WFAN. I mean, hockey, you know, that the landscape, the sports landscape here in New York is humongous. You have three hockey teams. So I, back, you know, this is going back. I I left FAM many moons ago, but, but during the time I was on, and and even going back to when I was in high school, I became a hockey fan in high school. I mean, I knew the league as well as I know football, baseball, and basketball. Uh, I don't, I barely know anybody in the league now. I I used to be able to tell you who, you know, I could name every coach and GM, and players and everything. And but uh, I uh, I think I think hockey has a chance to be fabulous in in Seattle. Uh, what they did with the arena, I haven't been in it yet. I look forward to getting there when, when I get back to town. But it looks like, and from what people tell me, it's spectacular. Um, that That's very exciting. And they got an expansion team. You would like them to have the success that Vegas had a few years ago when they were an expansion team and they went to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, that's probably not going to happen. But if they can finish over 500, hey, maybe make their way into the playoffs, that'd be great. And the other thing that's terrific about hockey, and I always say this, it's it's a great sport. It's not a good sport. It's a great sport when you're in the building. Uh, it doesn't translate as well to TV unless you're a hardcore fan. But I think if you were a sports fan and you had a chance to go to a hockey game, and I don't care if you had good seats or cheap seats, it, it would. it's just so thrilling. It's, it's tremendous. And I got a kick out of it. Let's see. Uh, the last time we had a Mariners caravan would have been January of 2020, and we went – I was with a group that went north and we wound up going to a Canucks game and I had been to a hockey game in years and it was great. We were way upstairs and then the top level and it was, it was fabulous. Enjoyed the heck out of it. Went down to sit alone to some of the guys. And, and it was a lot of fun. Well, like many Seattle fans, Dave, I'm slowly learning more about hockey. I've been to a couple of cracking games. It really is a heck of a in-person spectator sport. I couldn't agree with you more. Watching these guys yeah, slam I, against the screen. I mean, God, they're great athletes. Well, the, and their skill level is unbelievable. I mean, a, a goalie can leave, you know, that much over his shoulder, and a guy can, can fill it with a puck. And, you know, my my greatest memories of, of, of hockey growing up in Philly, before the Flyers became really good, and I would I, – my brother and I, we'd be the only two black guys in the spectrum. But we would only go, I would only pick games because that's when the NHL you know, doubled itself. So I only went to, went, to, went to see the original six teams. So you still had stars. You had the Montreal, Montreal, Toronto, or the Montreal, Toronto, Detroit, Chicago, Boston, and New York. I think I'm leaving somebody out. Uh, but anyway, uh, those were great. I mean, I got to see all the stars. Bobby Orr. Phil Esposito, Gordy Howe, Bobby Hull, Mont Cornway, Jean Bellevue. I mean, I could 
can name that whole crew from back in the day. Well, you, you know hockey too, Dave. Dave, um, I want to encourage my, my listeners to feel free to comment and like. And, and I'm getting, I got one comment here from one of my uh, viewers. Uh, Todd has written, bring back the Supersonics. Uh, we got the NBA back in Seattle, don't we, Dave? It's going to happen, but boy, they've been saying it for a long time. But it's such a great basketball market. It's an absolute crime that the, the, the team was allowed to move that wasn't sold to another local interest. But, uh, I mean, it's a great legacy, great history uh, in, uh, uh, of the NBA in uh, Seattle. And uh, it'll, be, it'll be a throw. The last time I remember going to a game, what P.J. Colissimo was coaching, Kevin Durant, I think, was in his freshman year, freshman, his first year, his rookie year. And they were playing Houston. I remember I got a chance to say hello to him in the layup line. And Houston, they were playing Houston to Shane Battier, who had that term, time down at Duke. I got to say, I got a chance to say hello to those guys. That that's going back. It's like oh seven. It's oh, that'd have been April of oh eight. Yeah. One year, Seattle had Durant. We all knew he was going to be a superstar. Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports, the Sports Untold podcast, 106 edition with uh, the Mariners TV broadcaster Dave Sims. Dave, when you were on last time, um, I asked you to mention a living sports figure that you would love to interview. You mentioned Sandy Koufax. You gave a great answer. I've got some terrific answers to that question from all sorts of guests. Um, can you mention another living sports figure? It could be a manager, an owner, that you would love to have a sit-down with? Um, well, I'd love to have a, a – I've met him once, uh, in person once, like on the phone twice, uh, not once – I would say Jim Brown because I still mm -hmm. consider him one of the greatest athletes the country's ever produced, let alone the greatest running back ever. I don't care what the numbers say. I don't care. And with all due respect, Emmett Smith and all the the guys who subsequently passed him. But I mean, the man, the man averaged five point two yards to carry, about one hundred four yards per game every game in his career. And as a social activist, uh, he's been at the forefront of that. And especially. I mean, he's in his 80s now. He's got to be 84, 85. And still, he's not, you know, it's, it's not moving around, he's not bouncing around that much. But smart man, got a lot together. Uh, he, he would be, he, he's one guy that comes to mind um, of, of the guys who are, are still very much with us. He'd be a great guy to chat with. And Dave, who is a deceased sports figure in history you would have loved to have interviewed or had a conversation with? I've got it's, not, it's, not even, it's not even close. This guy, Jackie, Jackie Robinson. Jackie. Jackie, no question, no question, no question. As uh, as the late great Joe Morgan said, to, he told us a couple of years ago. He said uh, when uh, Joe was a rookie, and Mr. Robinson, it was I think Mr. Robinson was doing a game in a week, and Joe would, woke up that morning, had breakfast. Oh, I get this this speech. I got to I'm gonna tell him you know, what he means to me, and, and you know what it was like hearing stories, and da 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 da, -da, -da. and then gets to the ballpark and. Out of no, sort of out of nowhere, Jack, Mr. Robinson shows up, and I guess Joe had just taken the field, and he came up upon him, and Joe said he froze, and all he said was, "Thank you." Mr. Robinson said, "You're welcome." I was he, like, hmm, that, "That that that wraps it up pretty nice." No doubt. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be here without uh, he and uh, and so many guys of his generation. There's no question. What a great American, Jackie Robinson. He, I think he would be my number one person at the C Sports list. Someone else who I think would be in second place or third place would be Hank Greenberg. He would have been a fascinating guy to talk to as well. Yeah, yeah. I hear great stories. A New York guy out of the Bronx. Um, 
And he, let's see, 1947, his only year in the National League after 15, 16 years with Detroit, uh, he was a guy that embraced and supported Jackie Robinson in, in that year. And that would have been, yeah, 1947 was Jackie's rookie year. Yeah. There's that story where I think Hank Greenberg had a conversation with Jackie when they were at first base together when the Tigers were playing the Dodgers. I believe that was. Uh, it had to have been that. when it was Pirates, the Pirates, Pirates, Pirates sorry, Pirates. Pirates, right, nationally. Pirates. Yeah, yeah there's a great. You know, as, as, a, as a Jewish American, he went through, Hank Greenberg went through a lot of garbage too, especially when he was challenging Ruth's uh, home run, season home run record. Both those guys saw a lot, Greenberg and Robinson. Um, very fascinating uh, men in sports. Well, Dave, um, there's a new book out, and I try to read books before I comment too much on them, but let me slip here for a second. Uh, there's a book out, I read a, read a review of it in the Wall Street Journal the other day by Joe Posnanski. I believe I'm pronouncing his last name, but a journalist. You may know him. You well, know Posnanski, yeah, Posnansky. in Kansas City. Yeah, you know a lot of people. A very good, very good baseball writer. Very you, good. You know a lot of the media figures and players, and he has a new book out called The Baseball 100. I want to pick your brain mm-hmm. on it. And I, I hear it's a terrific book. And he picks is the top five. He picks Willie Mays, number one, Ruth, second, Barry Bonds, three, Hank Aaron, four. And his number five is an interesting guy um, who played in the Negro Leagues, Oscar Charleston. Uh, what do you think of picking Mays one? And what do you think of uh, Oscar Charleston getting in the top five? Uh, I didn't, obviously, I didn't see Mr. Charleston play. I've heard good things about him from Bob Kendrick, who runs the Negro Leagues Museum. Uh, and Hall of Fame in Kansas City. I got no problem with Willie Mays. I mean, I didn't see Mr. Robinson play. I saw Willie Mays play a lot, and a lot of it in person in Philly. I got no beef with that at all. Not at all. Uh, who's he got? Babe Ruth, second? He has, uh, right, Ruth, second. Barry Bonds is three. I, mean, I get that. Yeah. I, I, totally, I totally get that. that you know, Babe Ruth you know, was a dominant pitcher before he became you know, solo as a, as a, as a hitter. Barry Bonds, you know, I, I think, yeah, you know, we certainly, he has, if you just look at him, he, he did something different to alter his appearance. Having said that, you still got to be able to hit the ball. Just because you take, you know, you know, you took an additive to help build yourself up. He was only getting one pitch a night to hit and, and two, actually maybe two or three pitches a night to hit. And he was making contact all the time. Um, I, I get that. I mean, his numbers are ridiculous, uh, and and I I do subscribe to what, what a lot of I don't you know I don't have a, I don't vote. I'm not. I was a member of the baseball writers a long time ago, but not long enough to be able to get a vote. But you you definitely can still make a case for him being an MVP, even if you take out the suspected um, steroid years. But you know, that's a whole. We can go hither and yon on that. Uh, who was yeah, the hammer? Was four or five? Hammer was four, four, and he has Charleston five. His yeah. his, the, his the hammer's numbers are phenomenal. Um, had he played in a big market like LA, in New York or LA, he'd be he'd be as big as Willie Mays. Willie Mays was you know played in New York at the beginning of his career, and that was a big boon to him. Like it or not, you play here. You know the Sinatra song said, "You make it here, you can make it anywhere." And if you right. make it here right. as big as he did, you're going to be huge. You're going to be probably. Uh, but I don't think there's any exaggeration in the accomplishments of Willie Mays. But the hammer, man, oh, man, his hit the market consistency. And nobody talks about it. Great outfielder. Cannon for an arm. Great base dealer. And I saw, who did I see? Somebody, oh, Jim Cott told a story about how, um, oh, it was the All-Star game. That's what it was. It was an All-Star game. I think he said Mays doubled. No, Clemente doubled. Clemente doubled. Aaron's the next hitter. And Aaron, you know, you would think Aaron's trying to pop one out. He tried to hit the ball to the right side to advance the runner. 
100 seconds, nobody out. And he wound up popping up to the right side. And when Kitty told that story, I said, wow, that that is the true meaning of a great baseball player right there. I mean, it's you know, one of the greatest, arguably one of the one, two, three, top four baseball players ever, giving himself up to advance a runner in an awesome game. Wow, I thought that spoke volumes. But you like that top five list? That uh, Yeah, not Oscar Trelsa. I, I know, I, I shortstop, I believe he was. I don't know much about him. I don't want to mislead you. I don't know does it, a lot does about it, his does career. It, what, did, what, did, what did Joe have? If, if Joe had him number five, he and Joe no doubt did tremendous research on that and 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 came up with that final conclusion uh, for good reason. And I think Joe being in Kansas City no doubt knew and prob- probably had a great relationship with uh, Buck O'Neill. And if that comes from Buck O'Neill, which I'm sure it did, that's good enough for me. Good enough for you. Lo- love to hear your feedback on that list, Dave. Dave, you know, I'm, I was going to get to this question a little later, but you mentioned Jim Cott. And Jim Cott, for the listeners, was a famous baseball player. I think he played about probably the late seventies. And oh, he played. He played from uh, Kitty played from the late fifties into the late seventies. I mean, he was finishing up the Phillies and the Reds as a reliever. Yeah, yeah good man, great, great guy. Well, I want to ask you. So, so baseball. A couple of baseball Hall of Fame committees are meeting on December fifth in Orlando this year, and there's this early baseball committee for many of them for players that played in the Eagle Leagues that played before 1950. And there's this, uh, I believe they call it the Golden Days era ballot, Dave. This is for people who are not in the Hall of Fame or are being considered that played from about 50 to 69. So let me go through this list with you. I want to get your, your thoughts on these guys, Hall of Fame chances. So the three living ones in that group are Jim Cott, Tony Olivia. He's in, he's in. Uh, he, I'm good. No, Kitty's in. He won 16, 17 gold gloves, won stuff like 284, 85 games, longevity, and the fact that he's been one of the best uh, baseball analysts on TV over the last, um, yeah, 30 years. And the last game of the 1994 season ended August 6, 7. 1994, I did. I was doing a B-net game with Kitty on ESPN. It uh, was the Braves at Atlanta. It's the only time I had a chance to work a game with him, but it was spectacular. Wonderful man. Oh, Good I bet. Guy. So Jim Cott, you, you you think should definitely get in. Uh, let me mention a couple yep. of names. Just give me your takes on these guys. Tony Oliva, who I can't believe is not in the Hall of Fame. I thought he was in like 30 years ago. That surprised me. Yeah. He's not in. Tony, uh, a great hitter. Great hitter. I would put him. I think he, you know... It, his impact for his, I think, before the knees totally went, but he had about a seven-year run. That was as good as anybody. 300-plus hitter. Um, let me throw out some other names here. They're on this list or being considered next month in Orlando. Maury Wills, Ken Boyer, Gil Hodges, Roger Maris, Minnie Minoso, Danny Murtaugh, and Billy Pierce. Do you think all those guys should get in? Uh, uh, Billy Pierce used to get his baseball card all the time. He was with the White Sox, I believe, for the bulk of his career. Danny Murtaugh won the 60 and 71 World Series. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, Manny Minoso, black Cuban, uh, first, what, uh, black player. 13-time uh, All-Star. White Sox. Yeah, and uh, probably, I think when he retired, had been hit by a pitch more than anybody in the history of the game. Uh, I don't know about many, um, but, uh, you know, he was famous, too. I think part of it is numbers and being famous. He certainly was famous in Chicago. Um, uh, Kenny, uh, Gil Hodges in New York, you'd get a ton of votes here, uh, for Gil Hodges. I mean, the, the, re- the remaining Brooklyn Dodger fans and anybody who's listened to those stories would tell you that Gil Hodges, Hall of Fame dominant, uh, hitter at first base, uh, who was it? Maury Wills, uh, was 102 stone bases. I think 62 broke Cobb's record. Um, 
I, I would consider that. And there was Kenny Boyer, I, Boyer, good, really good third baseman, uh, largely with the Cardinals, hit a couple of big home runs in the 64 World Series. And who was the other guy? Roger Maris, who's who's such a huge name, you know, and he's not back, in. What do you think? Should back, Maris be in? Back to back to back uh, MVPs, uh, single season home run record for a long time. Didn't see a lot of him except in the in the World Series back in, uh, when I was a kid. Um, now he didn't have as long as he, he did have a great year with the Cardinals. I want to say sixty eight. Um, I don't know about Hall of Fame, but you know, it's certainly. I, I, he should be considered. I'm not. I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a good feeling about that. But if he got in, I wouldn't have a problem. I, I, I really, to be honest with you, I don't have a problem with any of them. But I mean, if you know, if you're act, you know, looking for for answers, I, I would say I would say doubtful for Maris. I hope Hodges, uh, and hoping for Kitty to get in. But Billy Pierce, I don't know how many games he won. I just know he had. I know he had some good years. I know nothing. He's left-handed, I believe. And I believe these guys have to get 12 of the 16 votes of this committee to get in. And I guess Cott and Oliva just missed the, the last time they had that committee vote, like one vote or so. Dick Allen's not on that list? Uh, you know what? I He may be on that list, and I may have forgotten to mention Dick Allen. Oh, my God. He died last year, Dick Allen. He, he has a great Hall of Fame case, too, doesn't he? Uh, he would have been in last. He should have been. Well, I could give you a chapter and verse on that, but he should, he should be in. Uh, every contemporary, I say this all the time, but every contemporary who I've met, Dick Allen, they say they get indignant that you would even ask the question. Uh, dominant player. Terrific. You know, Dave, you may find this interesting. I had a law professor on my show about a year and a half ago, ago and I got at Mitch Nathanson. He's a law professor at Villanova, and he's written a lot on the legalities of baseball and stuff. He wrote a biography on Dick Allen, and uh, we talked a lot about Dick Allen. It was very interesting. What's his first name? Mitch Nathanson, a law professor at Villanova. So I, I wonder if that's a book. I have a book about the 64 collapse. Yeah. yeah. Chico Ruiz stealing home. Frank Robinson at the plate started a 12 game losing streak. In the He's written a lot on Philly sports, but he, he, we, we talked a lot about Dick Allen and, and uh, according to, to Nathanson, Allen, tell me if you agree with this, Dave, Allen was, was probably the first African-American baseball superstar who wanted to be treated like a superstar. Uh, I was a 10-year-old uh, when he came. Let's see, his rookie of the year was 64. So I was 11. Uh, he got a lot of bad treatment from the Philadelphia press, which, uh, yeah, he wanted to be known as Dick Allen but they, or Rich Allen. But, yeah, they, they tried to diminish him by, you know, giving him a childlike name, Richie. Uh, he was the first... Philly's black superstar, and this is a city in my hometown, an organization that gave Jackie Robinson more guff and grief and BS than anybody, except with maybe with the exception of the Cardinals. So I don't know if I'm buying that. Yeah. Well, he made the point that Dick Allen wanted wanted to be respected. That was his point. He was wanting to stand well, up. That's, and that's what he meant. That's, that's what that, he meant. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's what he exactly meant. Maybe right. that, I didn't that, state that well, but he wanted to be that's, respected. That's the key. Yeah, so, yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, anyhow. Yeah, so so to be fair, um, Nathanson had more than he elaborated on that point. But yeah, anyhow. Um, hey, I want to kind of get to a little bit of some of the off-season Mariners stuff. And uh, let me ask you a retro question for a second. So um, 
The M's made some deadline deal, trade deadline deals late August of 2021. Of course, the Graveman Toro trade got a lot of local controversy. Do you think, Dave, looking back, there was a little more the M's could have done at the deadline that could have got them into a tiebreaker in the wild card? Was there just a little more they could have well, done? Well, yeah, you could say that, but it didn't. And uh, I mean, you look at what Anthony. Antelopolis uh, did in uh, in Atlanta. He got four guys, and they all clicked. They said it's a crapshoot sometimes. Uh, I think the players did. You know, we're looking for some for for more help. They did. You know, they did make a couple moves, and maybe not as uh, as spectacular and dynamic as they would have liked. But again, you know, the killer. Uh, you know, for the Mariners was the Friday night two to one loss to the, to uh, that last the next the third to the last game on a Friday night. Um, where they had runner at second, nobody out twice, and don't even get the guy to third. Um, so, you know, I, we we move forward. I'm not. Yeah, you know, I was just curious if you thought there was a little another yeah. little trade they could have done or something. That, they could have that's. Got I mean, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know who they expected to walk through the door, but you know, it is what it is now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Dave, I, I was telling Shannon Dreyer on this uh, the other day. She, your, your colleague was on my show. I've had both of you back-to-back two years later. And uh, I mentioned to Shannon, I feel like when I'm reading all the baseball free agency blogs, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. It's kind of overwhelming trying to figure out who's going to sign with who and all the different bloggers and journalists who have different takes on who on who's going to sign with who. Um, are there one or two players, Dave, that you have in mind that you'd love to have the Mariners bring in? If you could just mention one or two. That you would just love. Well, that, and I think I think Shannon told you this, and, and I think everybody's read this. I mean, uh, Marcus Simeon would be is a, is a guy that they have on the top of their board, and Chris Bryant's probably in one A or number two. And if you got one or both of those guys, man, that would be a tremendous addition to the ball club. I, I like everybody else. I'm waiting waiting with bated breath to see you know who uh, Jerry comes up with. I know he's out there shopping. Out there putting on the, the, the hard you know, fraternity rush, if you will. Hopefully, he comes back with uh, the part ourselves would say, hopefully, he comes back with the grocery bags filled. Would you be up for the M signing someone like Scherzer or Kershaw? Would you go with one of those? Yeah, older, older yeah, you don't even have to ask a question like that, <laughs> of course. But, you know, us talking about it, it's not going to make it happen. So, I mean, you know, would I love to have some of the premier guys? Absolutely. But I, if it happens, wonderful. If not, we, you know, you adjust and, and, and make do with what you have. And I think the thing that's great about that promising about this, this club, I mean, they hit like 226, which was dead last in the major leagues, but the clutch stats were at or number one bullpen was spectacular. Nobody saw this and the, the starting pitching uh, did a, a real good job. And, uh, you know, it, it, we just came up a little bit short. Nobody saw 90 wins with this team. I was actually, it, all due respect to Kevin Cash and Dusty Baker, uh, you know, Scott Service's case for being manager here, I thought was a little bit stronger, given that everybody had him and he's anywhere from 60, 65 to 72 wins and he wins 90 and misses the playoffs by a game. Uh, that to me, and, and looking at that, you know, looking at the personnel, he's on, that's manager of the year right there, dude. I don't, you know, I know Cash won 100 games for back to back years, but. You could you'd make a case for that that was expected, but it certainly wasn't expected with the Mariners what they did. And and I you know what's interesting is you know since I've been back home in New York and seeing a lot of guys and talking to people, and I've heard in in, in person and via social media text 
we were rooting for you. We were rooting for you guys. We went to the basketball game recently. We were pulling for you guys to win. You know, America loves the underdog, and we certainly were the underdog, and that would have been all the story if we had made, made the playoffs. Well, the Mariners have been kind of the Charlie Brown of pro sports franchises for a long time. You know, things haven't always worked out for the Mariners, but maybe we'll start a new era here in the the early 2020s. Dave, you know, you got a national perspective. One reason I enjoy talking to you so much, and you're based in New York, and you cover the Mariners, and you're from Philly, and you've covered so many teams, and you know, the, you know, sports around the country so well. Let me ask you something about about Seattle as a major league city in terms of getting free agents. There's been a there's been thinking for many years. Robinson, the Robinson Cano sign is kind of an example. Is that the Mariners have to really overpay to get top free agents to Seattle? Do you buy that premise, or are things changing? Well, I think the the fact if you just look at the history, what's happened. I mean that that particular case is the one that jumps out at you. And I know from talking to a few people recently, you know the fact that. Seattle is where it is geographically. You know, some guys maybe are not warming to that, but I tell you what, the, the thing that's exciting about going into the 2022 season is that we're all capitalists. The Mariners hit the number. Boom, baby. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And I think that the fact that it's a young team that's shown unbelievable moxie with, you know, a, an organization that, has been highly regarded the last year or two, you know, with developing young players. It would seem to me that it'd be an exciting place to be. And I think that if you're a free agent, I mean, you got Ken Griffey Jr., a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest players ever, part of ownership now. You got a question, you call Junior. You know, I call some of the guys who, who are succeeding in Seattle. And I'll tell you, you Mariners – let me tell you something. The Mariners, and I had somebody guys say this, but they will be so loved up. They make the playoffs and make a run. And it will become very attractive. And I can remember back in the 90s when Junior and those guys were, they had it going. And, and my youngest son's a left-hand hitter. And I remember he said, hey, Dad, Junior and the Mariners are coming to Yankee Stadium. we got to get tickets. And I had to, hell, I need, I need four tickets to go to Yankee Stadium for a couple of games. Believe me, if you, if you can get the whole winning thing going, you'll deal with the travel. It is what it is. It's a great ballpark. It's a great city. And it just needs the spark to, and to get a tradition of winning, to get people, you know, to get guys excited to come there. And the fact that the Mariners are, do are doing, and it certainly looks like they're doing a hell of a job growing their own, I think that's going to be you know, a big impact uh, as we move forward. I loved your, your point about Griffey as part of the ownership group. That that may have a little lure to some some players, perhaps. That there's can't hurt. Yeah, can't hurt. Can't hurt. Can't hurt. Dave, uh, this is Paul Scheimer again, 106th edition of the Sports Untold podcast, also on Rainier Avenue Radio with the Mariners TV man, Dave Sims. Dave, um, another kind of historical question for you. Was the Cano signing a mistake? I was stunned that he left New York. Absolutely stunned. He was on a path to where... You, you would call to your maintenance guys, clear out a spot in Monument Park for this guy. Uh, I enjoyed the heck out of having him in Seattle. I enjoyed my relationship with him. I enjoyed watching him play. Uh, he was able to help recruit Nelson Cruz come uh, to Seattle. And what was it, won 89 games in the 18th season and fell short. Mm -hmm. Fell short in 16, fell short in 14. It didn't work out. You move on. Fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, 
you bring up someone. Hey, speaking of Cano, guys like Cano and Bonds and Clemens, I asked Shannon Dreyer a similar question. Uh, where are you on the steroids allegations surrounding some of these aforementioned yeah, players in the Hall yeah. of Fame? Where do you come out on that, Dave? I, uh, I think that I, I don't see Clemens, these guys getting you know, in. I don't yeah. see it getting in. If he hadn't gotten in now, it ain't going to happen. Um, and like you and Shannon were talking about, I mean, I, I had forgotten about this and you guys, one or both of you quipped about having stuff sent to his wife. I mean, really dude, come on. So, and the fact that he had an unbelievable finish a flourish in his uh, late year, later years, you know, I, I don't consider myself a judge and jury, but that's very, very, very uh, shaky to say the least and very suspicious uh, therefore, I and you know, if I had a vote, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't vote him in. I have to agree with uh, most of the guys, most of the writers. I think I mentioned to Shannon the other day that if you want to put on a legal hat, Bonds' conviction was overturned and Clemens was acquitted. So just, I don't know if that has any bearing on the Hall of Fame voters, but just food for thought. But anyhow, yeah, no, that's you know, that's a legit fact. But I just think the, the writers, from what they've seen, from what I've seen, from what I've heard. It, it doesn't add up really well. It really doesn't. A little bit of a that, stigma. You know, for, for, mm-hmm. Without a doubt. And baseball, Very sketchy. Baseball yeah. does have a character requirement in their Hall of Fame eligibility rules. Then again, Ty Cobb is in. I mean, there's some people that are in right now. They're not well, the greatest exactly. people. No, you know? I, I, I'm so, hearing you. I'm so, hearing you. You know, you, know, so. we're not, you know, we're not talking to, you know, Pearly Gates. But, <laughs> right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, right. And, and you don't want to come across, but you, know, you don't want to be too sanctimonious, be sanctimonious about it, but right. there's certain there's certain limits there's certain parameters you got to stay within not everyone clearly, in the sport not everyone in the sports hall of fame is mother Teresa. let's face it you know, yeah so. oh, absolutely not absolutely not this right. is the same same sport in the same country didn't allow you know black americans to play until 1947 so again you know you can high horse it to a certain point but uh so i just i don't think you know we we'll probably be long gone uh, by the time if and when they get in think you're on to something. It sure seems that most of the writers are skeptical of a lot of those aforementioned guys. Dave, I'm going to back up. I'm going to ask you a little question out of the box. Uh, what's your favorite sports movie? Wow. I can give, uh, you, some, I can give you some ideas. No, 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 no. Remember the Titans, uh, Field of Dreams, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> uh, Jim Thorpe, All-American with Burt Lancaster. Who was also in Field of Dreams, one of my favorite actors of all time. Uh, that was a, yeah, the Jim Thorpe story. Um, Forty Two wasn't bad. It was it, it was pretty good. Uh, Brian Song. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was oh, what was the one? Robbie, what do you call it? The, the Robbie one, Benson. Yeah, what? Well, yeah, Robbie what Benson. I... Yeah, that's a good one. So no, that's what's that five? Those are some good ones right there. My uh, one of my recent guests, uh, uh, Renault Bean, has a show at Rain Ave Radio, and Renault mentioned uh, the Robbie Benson movie as his favorite sports movie. It came out like yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's I good like one. The Natural. I like Any Given Sunday. You know, I liked uh, Who. I Any liked, Given Sunday was not bad. Not bad. Not bad. I like Hoop Dreams. That was a good one. Wow, that was powerful. Good one. Good one. And I remember. I did a game with Bill Raftery. We did a Marquette game in Milwaukee, and I think that one of the kids was still on the team. Or, uh, he, he got one year. Uh, oh, geez, I can't remember the name, two names, but one of the kids was still there. I think that was pretty pretty wild. Yeah, 
great documentary, very powerful one. Well, let, let me shift back to baseball, Dave. Where do you come out on the idea of having universal DH rule? It's being discussed in the CBA negotiations right now. I'm in for it. Make it happen. I mean, for every Madison Bumgarner, uh, Zach Greinke, I think Scherzer can swing it a little bit. There's hundreds of other guys who haven't hit since high school, and it's not their fault. And it it's not entertaining. And, and it's baseball's an entertainment vehicle, and I, I don't find anything entertaining looking at a guy who can't put the ball in play for a base hit, let alone get down a bunt. Not interesting. And I grew up a National League guy, and the last 15 years watching the American League, I'm all in. Give me the DH. And the other thing, too, it employs 15, you know, 15, 20 more guys. You know, I think uh, it may not be, it probably won't be with the Mariners, but, you know, somebody's going to sign Nelson Cruz for next year. He, you know, he's an anomaly to say the least. I mean, if he had, you know, ungodly number of home runs and RBIs in his past season with what Minnesota and Tampa. Much rather see him swing the bat than almost any pitcher. You I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. As a kid growing up, Drysdale and Gibson were good hitting pitchers, and there's a few more, but a few and far. But Rick Wise was a good hitting pitcher. I think Steve Carlton was an okay hitting pitcher, wasn't he? Yeah, he wasn't bad. That's wasn't a good bad. call. Good yeah, call. Wasn't yeah, bad. he wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. Um, let me just kind of play devil's advocate. But one thing with with the pitcher hitting, there's some fascinating strategy calls. Do you take the pitcher out in the seventh or eighth inning, the starting pitcher who was throwing like a two hitter? Well, and, you know, they take pitchers out in the fourth inning if he's. It looks like he's going through the third time. I'm not all, all in on that. I mean, I agree with, and, and the analytics I like, uh, but I also like you know the eye test. As Ron Washington often says, the sound of the ball coming off the bat will tell you when to go get your boy. And when they start squaring up things, that's when you go get them. But, you know, freaking out because he's about to face for a third time, I can think of so many pitchers recently that were taken, you know, gives up a walk, gives up a base hit in the sixth, seventh innings. He's going through the third time, panic, and take him out. Or other times you have a guy pitches the seventh or eighth inning, goes one, two, three, bring him back. He's hot. Leave him alone. And the game is, you know, everybody seems to do that. I got an eighth inning guy, I got a ninth inning guy, seventh inning guy. You know, if I get, you know, and somebody brought this up about uh, Goose Gossage was pitching, you know, and, and Raleigh Fingers and those guys, you know, they, if they came in the seventh inning, was their game the rest of the way? I mean, the game's changed. I understand that. And I, I know I'm now being a member of the Get Off My Lawn Club, but I mean, <laughs> uh, it, it, the game's different for sure. Um, interesting feedback on the, on the, on the DH. Um, another thing coming up in the CBA discussions, won't go into everything, but just a couple uh, interesting issues, is uh, there was a 16 playoff system in the, the truncated odd 2020 year. There's talk about a 14-team playoff system. What do you think about expanding the playoffs like that? Eh, leave it alone. Leave it like it is right now because you run into trouble competing with the National Football League in September and October. And, and into November. We don't need, you know, hi, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. And today is the seventh game of the World Series. No, no, no. no I'm not going. It's not going to happen. Don't need it. And then those two teams, if that were to happen, and then those teams are now, they've lost a month and a half. And that before you even catch your breath, it's time to go back to spring, you know, for spring training. I, I don't, 
I, I'm fine with the playoffs the way they are right now. I hear you. I understand. Uh, let me just quickly, a couple other issues coming up in the discussions. Uh, limit on pitcher pickoff attempts. Uh, ban on shifts. 15-second pitch clock. Do you like any of those? Give me the ideas? pitch clock. Give me the, give me the pitch clock. Uh, if you modified the shift rules, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I'm open to discussion on that. Um, I know it's not easy to hit 95 the other way. I get that. Uh, and the numbers do. It's amazing how many times you see guys, you know, they're the exact centimeter. And that's where the guy hits the ball. I get that. And it's worked in the Mariners' favor a lot. Mariners had pretty, you know, defended pretty well last year. Um, 15 second pitch clock. Oh, give me that. You know, these guys that get up on the mound and then they hold the ball and it's like they're wishing, like, dude, throw the damn ball. Will you please? You know, you're a major league pitcher. Throw a strike. Make it, make it quality. Get the show Let's on the road, go. you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, time of game, you know, I can, the late great Red Foley here in New York, you know, I, I don't want to hear a Red Foley impersonate time of game for a nine inning tilt, four hours and nine minutes. Not interested. I mean, these games shouldn't be going more than three. I mean, I, Bob Gibson used to, and again, I'm dating myself, but I don't care. We're losing an hour and a half. Now, that's an exaggeration, but, you know, two, two and a half is plenty. Four, three, you know, now I, I can't tell you how many times 7-10 start, it's nine o'clock, and we're in the bottom, we're in the top of the fourth inning. Really? Come on. I mean, I know we, get, we 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 have to we have to make some money, obviously, and, and we might there's the next extra thirty seconds here and there, but just the, the, come on, get things Pick moving it up. And, and and we've lost, you know, it, you know, I walk, go, walk going on walks and everything. You see kids skateboarding and doing everything but playing playing, you know, a form of baseball. It, come on, football, football, football's football's kicking our butt. And we got to, and the other thing too, we got to market our guys better. And, you know, I don't know what, there's smart people in baseball, but you don't see a whole lot of baseball dudes getting national advertisements. And that's, that's a shame. We talked about that, Dave. You're on my show two years ago. Baseball is going to market a little more of these individual players. We talked about that. You know, there's some, got some great guys, but let's go. Come on. Let me see these guys. Come on, get them, get them some products. Couldn't agree more. Can yeah. I get like two more questions in, Dave? You okay with that? Yeah, go ahead. Good, yeah, good. Sure. Um, there's some, this is coming up in the CBA talks. I don't want to get too um, uh, esoteric here, but there's some feelings that teams can be incentivized to lose too much. Would you support some changes with like draft picks and less of rewarding a poor performance? Well, wow, we got, how much time do you have on this? Uh, oh, I got, I got four hours. I mean, I know. Yeah, I, I, you hate to see, uh, I mean, I get it, but, you know, watching, watching teams tank, not appetizing, and uh, I know the you know, people want to position themselves and get good draft choice and all that stuff. Yeah, let's, let's have everybody all out. Let's go. I mean, that's not my money. I'm not, you know, I don't have spreadsheets in front of me, but I, I'd like everything, you know, full board competition. That's what I like. Maybe have a, a few tweaks and uh, and uh, maybe changing the draft picks and how those those some of those yeah. issues are handled. Yeah. Well, first, you know, I, the other thing too, I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see the play <laughs> the players in the MLB agree that the sun is yellow and that's a good start from there. Maybe they can start agreeing on some things and, and come to you know, come to uh, compromise on some issues and and then 
let's not have a, a lockout and uh, let's be able to start, you know, spring training the way it should be with a nice bang and all the rosy, sentimental, heartwarming stories and the, the mythology and the romance of, of spring training. I look forward to doing that again. But, uh, you know, it's certainly all the stuff you read now is gloom and doom heading towards December 1. It's scary. And that could affect the free agency market, too, if, the, if, the, if there's a lot Well, it's going to bollocks up everything in terms of uh, the, you know, timing. And timing's everything. And, you know, who's going to be the first one to go? And then how does, how, where did the dominoes fall from there? David, so generous for your time. I think I got one more question. I got a friend who sent me a text. I'm trying to make this show interactive and let the audience uh, have a little role here. And uh, my friend has a question about the M's decision to not exercise uh, Seeger's option. And my friend has an interesting uh, question. He's wondering if there's some way the M's could ever get Seeger back with a, with a lower contract. I guess that's, I'm trying to summarize this question. That ship has sailed. That's all you need to know. Seems like it, doesn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. over. That's over. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it goes. I mean, he'll. I, 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 I like the guy. Wish him all, all the luck in the world. But you know, he'll have a different, uh, have a different address, and uh, he will, he will be in the, he will go into the Mariners Hall of Fame. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, he's top five in multiple categories, and it was a great run, and, and it was very, it was really just outstanding having him. I remember when he he showed up. Good Lord, 10, 11 years ago, and a fresh-faced kid, and he, he was a terrific third baseman and a power guy and a dependable guy. And, you know, uh, time has come and gone, and, and we move forward from there. Not everything lasts forever, you know. And that's Certainly not in baseball, it doesn't. Not in baseball, that's for sure, that's for sure. <laughs> well, Dave, thanks so much for being so generous of your time today and coming back on my Sports Untold podcast. I really enjoy our uh, – our conversations and uh it's great to um great to have you uh come back appreciate it paul thanks for your time enjoyed the visit and uh hey have, have a happy thanksgiving you too dave happy holidays thank you so much all right be well all right. you too